Good evening to all Slovenes. Good afternoon to Americans. Uh, good afternoon to you, Dr. E. Michael Jones. Thank you for accepting my invitation once again. You're welcome. Good evening. I uh, I got really mad in the last couple of days because I I read so many articles of people I uh, um, I cherish uh, other ways from Robert W Malone and and some Slovene conservative intellectuals and they all tried to explain what's happening in the world right now with these vaccines and so forth. And they, they all went into this diatribe about how um, it's, it's fascism, uh, what's, happen <laughs> what's happening to us right now. For example, I, I would like to read to you um, an open letter to the truckers from Robert W. Malone. You, you know Robert W. Malone? He went to Joe Rogan and then got canceled. And so right, forth. yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I uh, I have respect uh, towards Robert W. Malone, but then I, I, I read his his letter to, to truckers and his uh, there's his um, his reasoning here. I I wanted to read to you just a moment. Uh huh. Uh, these are three simple words that ring like bells in the heart of honest people. He means integrity, dignity, community. And then he went. He went on to cite, uh, to cite Benito Mussolini. Benito Mussolini once said, fascism should more properly be called corporatism since it is the merger of the state and corporate power. And from, from this citation, he, he goes on to, um, to make analogy to uh, what's happening to us now because there are... There are uh, globalist multinational corporations involved. Although Mussolini meant by by merger of the state and corporate power, he meant the merger of Italian state and Italian corporations uh, doing uh, doing everything towards the goals of the Italian people and the Italian right. nation. Right. So fascism so, is is so, is uh, historically yeah. Okay. Mussolini meant that the state was going to take over the corporations, but now it's the corporations who are taking over the state. So in many ways, it's the opposite of fascism. Yeah. Actually, the cor the corporate the the idea that corporations run the state is more English than it is Italian. If you're talking about the uh, East India Company, for example, that was the government. Or uh, the city of London is that the real power in London, in England? Uh, they, they're private corporations that have basically they are immune from any type of state control. So he's got the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite of that. Yeah, you, you can think whatever you want about fascism and Benito Mussolini and and uh, uh, and even national socialism, but the point there was to prevent that corporations run uh, the state, right. that, uh, that they work for the state and for the nation, not the, uh, the other way, the, not the other way around. So I, I, I really, I really get mad when everything, what, what's happening today right. gets, uh, gets, uh, gets explained away with this. Well, let's, um, look, it's very simple because in order to come to some understanding, you have to appeal to this religious authority. Well, the religious authority in our world is, is the Holocaust. It's certainly the moral arbiter of everything. So whenever you want to talk about something being good or bad, you have to relate it to the Holocaust and say that, you know, the person you don't like is Hitler and these people are Nazis. So even John F. Uh, not John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy has to get involved in this. He mentions Anne Frank, uh, yellow badges, and suddenly we had a whole another discussion here, uh, which is like what just happened with uh, with Whoopi, Whoopi and the ADL. Yeah, and and I watched these videos of Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder, and they 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 act as if they they are intellectually. 
uh, honest, more honest and intellectually <laughs> superior towards Swoopy, as in she, she's some kind of moron and they are smart and they know their history. And and they their view of history is so simplistic and moronic that they that they basically interpret history as in uh, uh, Nazis and fascists were against uh, the, the Jewish banksters and grand capitalists because they they uh, they thought they were superior to, <laughs> they were superior towards them it's all about a german or nordicistic um, uh, feeling of superiority and this is the only reason why nazis and fascists went after after jewish bankers and 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 grand capitalists and this is their interpretation of the history and they pretend as if they were there were some sort of Superior uh, uh, interpreters uh, uh, right. compared uh, compared to Whoopi Goldberg. Right. Yeah. So Ben comes on and spends the first ten minutes talking how about how stupid uh, Whoopi Goldberg is, and then he goes on to prove it himself by totally muddying the whole issue. Ben can't 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 punch his way out of this paper bag either. He's as confused as Whoopi. He's probably more confused. But I mean, this this discussion. Uh, we were ready for it, weren't we? Because we already had this discussion about Jared Taylor and uh, about Tom Sunich and and uh, white boys. Whoopi believes the same thing that Jared Taylor believes. He should join the American Renaissance. She believes that, <laughs> she believes that Jews are white. That's what Jared Taylor believes, right? Yeah, this is the the, the common the common uh, belief uh, between uh, Whoopi and Gertrude and and many uh, many white nationalists and Europeans. Although I, I although I don't or at least I didn't agree with you till the end about the race question. But it is from the Slavic perspective, for example, from the Slavic perspective, uh, the Slavs were. Uh, the the most people the Slavs were the most uh, slaughtered people in, in in the both world wars in the first world war and second world war combined uh, compared to how many Jews died if we believe the Holocaust narrative uh, it, it's it's basically tens. Time, ten times more Slavs died right, right. in the Second and First World War, and and there's no narrative uh, of uh, uh, Slavs being victims of of all this uh, whites against uh, against the Jews, for for example. And from the perspective of the Slavs, it's it's not it's not, it hasn't been really smart to to equivocate uh, ourselves with, with with whites. We haven't gotten anything out of it. This is this is no. true. No, it's a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage. So you should claim like the the Jews are now doing. So Ben Shapiro. Uh, tries real hard. He puts on his thinking cap and he tries real hard. The more he talks, the more confused he gets. And then he starts. And then he starts bringing in critical race theory. And so Ben's a conservative, and critical race theory is part of the politically correct crowd. So therefore, uh, uh, wait a minute. Critical race theory is bad, right, Ben? Well, yeah, he's saying it's bad. Well, wait a minute, Ben. Guess who invented critical race theory? Guess which group of people invented critical race theory? It's the Jews. It was created by Noel Ignatieff, the late Noel Ignatieff, who was a Jewish professor at Harvard, which is now a Jewish university. And it was created as part of the constant weaponization of race that Jews have been engaged in for over a century now. I've talked about that in the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. I talk about the Black Jewish Alliance. I talk about the Jews uh, looking for revenge after the Leo Frank case, uh, the Scottsboro Boys. The Jews have all tried to start a slave rebellion in the South right after the Leo Frank case. And uh, Ben apparently doesn't know any of this type of stuff, doesn't know this. So he's as confused as everyone else. He's right up there with Whoopi Goldberg and Jared Taylor. He doesn't know what he's talking about either. He knows that Hitler called, said it was a racial issue. But what does that mean? What does that mean? 
So how, how are we going to straighten this out? How are, we, how are we going to bring Logos to this discussion? Let's start with ethnos. We've been through this before. The Balkans are a great place to start because you have these ethnic groups. So what does it mean to be a Slovene, Slovenian? Yeah, I, I think, if I may, I think that when, when Hitler... Uh, uh, talks about race and Jews and, and being other race, he thinks that they are some other kind of people, uh, different from the Germans. This is basically it. Well, they are. What, they are. And they, the and they are. Yeah. It's true. And they are different. Now, the problem, problem comes when you think, well, are Germans superior to Slovenians or Croats? Well, they were the allies of the Croats, but... Uh, Serbs, for example, or no, no, it's just one uh, ethnic group. Now, the problem here is also a, a, a use of, in, in the English language. At the beginning of the 20th century, race was a synonym for ethnicity. So people like Theodore, Theodore Roosevelt would say, well, there's the Teutonic race and there's the Celtic race and so on and so forth. Over the course of the century, race came to ex mean exclusively black and white. That's what it came to mean. And this is because of the unique situation of the United States of America, which was a former British colony, which imported a lot of African slaves. And so in the South, uh, southern states of the United States, you had certain parts where the whites were completely outnumbered by, by the black population. And we're nervous about it because the Jews were constantly trying to create slave rebellions down there. The big event being uh, the slave rebellion in Haiti. And so the white uh, slave owners were very nervous and they had the abolitionists. This was earlier than the Jews, but the abolitionists were trying to stir up trouble. And so racial black and white distinction became important in America. So when America becomes the world hegemon, we impose these, this on everyone else. And then so you end up with someone like Tom Sunich, who's a Croat, who thinks he's white. Well, that, that, these are two completely different yardsticks, if you want to call it, uh, two completely different paradigms that got completely confused in the mind of Whoopi Goldberg and also of Ben Shapiro and Jared Taylor, because these are all Americans and they have trouble thinking beyond the borders of America. But to, uh, for, for, for a little trivia... I remember when I went to high school, uh, uh, and we had a we had geography for um, um, for this uh, matura, and uh, what we learned there from a guy that is now uh, a head of uh, the the Maribor synagogue, <laughs> uh, he 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 taught us that there were three great races, as in. Uh, great white race, great uh, black race, and great yellow uh, race. And uh, the implications of this theory were that, for example, Arabs, Jews uh, were all a part of, of the great white race. This is the theory we, we, we were taught in, in high school. Uh, this was in the... Right. Yeah. Right. And right. this, it, this it, is basically what... What the Whoopi believes. Yeah. I mean, so this was also uh, toward the end of the 19th century with the rise of anthropology and all of this. Uh, they tried to categorize it. And that's a categorization according to physical appearance. But that's not that is not uh, the same categorization as ethnicity, because ethnicity has nothing to do with physical appearance. They're obviously. Uh, uh, so, if you, as I said, if you go to Africa, uh, Tanzania has 76 different ethnic groups. From our perspective, they all look the same because they're all black, but they're all distinguished. They distinguish each, each other from each other by the language they speak. And so to say, well, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, well, have you heard about Rwanda? Uh, it meant a lot there. I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't tell the difference between a Hutu and a Tutsi by looking at them, but they can. And it was a, basically an ethnic war that a lot of people died as a result of that. So this, this shows you that the race, the race idea, okay, is an American idea that came about toward the end of the 19th century. And then it gets imposed on the rest of the world where it doesn't have any meaning. It's meaningless. It's meaningless to talk about, as I said before, 
Conflict in the Balkans? Yeah, there's been plenty of conflict in the Balkans. What does it have to do with race? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Religion. Because uh, one side is on the Latin side of the Roman Empire, and the other side is on the Greek side of the empire. Uh, yeah, that's significant, but uh, it has nothing to do with race. And so whenever Americans try to figure something out and they draw it back, they all end up confused. <laughs> this is this is great commentary. Rwanda was not about race. It was Whoopi's people <laughs> doing bad things to Whoopi's people. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the point is, you can't explain what happened in Rwanda according to race. It's not racial conflict. You can't invent. You can't explain what's happening in America really according to race either, because it's not racial conflict. It is uh, a Jewish orchestration of racial conflict. That that's that's what we're talking about here. That's what it's always been. We modern people have this uh, this uh, this feeling that. Uh, that the racism is basically uh, what's uh, what comes from from the United States of America, and it's it's about uh, the relations between between Anglo-Saxon whites and and uh, former slaves, uh, as in ex-Africans. This is what modern modern people in Europe basically basically think. But uh, as you said. This is a neologism, basically, a, a, a or at least a new view at, at at race. And the old view of race was was always these people are different people from us, and it was about ethnicity. This is where you're, you're totally right about uh, uh, about this uh, this terminology. Yeah. So so what is, so. So the point, the Jews have been exploiting this, okay? So the, the Jews then, uh, at a certain point, uh, identify with the blacks. They're the ones that are using the blacks as their proxy warriors. That's what the civil rights movement was. That's what the civil rights movement, it was Jewish funding behind people like Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King never would have got to where he was if it weren't for Jewish funding. And they are using the civil rights movement as a way of uh, basically getting revenge on the South for Leo Frank. That's what uh, Harold Cruz said. He was the black guy who, uh, the head of the uh, Black Studies program at University of Michigan. He wrote a book called The Crisis of the Negro Intellectual, which came out in 1967 and basically blew up the entire civil rights movement. It collapsed after that. One year later, Martin Luther King was dead. It collapsed, broke apart, and the Jews. But the Jews at that point, he, his complaint was, that this whole racial thing was a manipulation because he was in the Communist Party in Harlem in the 1930s, and everything the Jews were told to do benefited, uh, I'm sorry, everything the blacks were told to do benefited the Jews. The Jews had total leadership of the Communist Party, and the blacks simply did what they were told. And when he brought that out, it blew up. The blacks didn't want any part of it, and the Jews got upset because here we gave these Schwarzes all this money and now they're turning on us. So at that point, the Jews shifted their allegiance to Israel because that was the year of the Arab-Israeli war. And they, it was closer to home and a huge shift away from communism, Marxism, left-wing politics to Zionism took place at that time. Uh, um, was was Malcolm X also funded uh, by the Jews, or was he more? No, was his no. movement more more grassroots? grassroots it, his his was a grassroots movement. It was a lot similar to obviously it's Islam, uh, and they were getting funding from the Islamic world. Uh, but uh, his movement was very similar to Marcus Garvey's movement in the 1920s, where you had uh, a uh, he was a Jamaican. He came to Harlem. There were lots of black people in Harlem. And he basically proposed black nationalism, okay, at the same time that Hitler is proposing his form, national socialism. Same time, uh, they're both uh, in the 1920s. Now, what happened, Mark? What happened to Marcus Garvey? The Jews destroyed Marcus Garvey. They created an organization, a Jewish organization called the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, uh, the NAACP. It was founded by two Jews, the Spingarn brothers, 
the wife of Joel Spingarn was the lady who created the Harlem Renaissance, and she created uh, Langston Hughes and people like that. But so the, they create the NAACP. It's got offices in New York. Marcus Garvey shows up, and there, there are no blacks there. It's only Jewish lawyers. So he says, well, wait a minute, where's the black? This, this had a devastating effect on the whole Jewish attempt to manipulate race. And so the Jews went after him, and they got a front guy by the name of W.E.B. Dubois, okay, who was a Harvard grad, uh, and he was the black front man that attacked Marcus Garvey, and eventually they took him to a court, a court uh, filed a suit against him, uh, a Jewish judge convicted him, and that was the end of the black nationalist movement. Well, that, that was similar because the Jews wanted integration. They want integration for everybody except themselves. So every other nationalism is bad except Zionism, and that's good because it's the Jews who are doing it. And that's precisely what they did to uh, Marcus Garvey and black nationalism. Do you think it's possible a guy like Ben Shapiro doesn't know anything of this, or is he, uh, or is he, he, or is he in a psychological state where he knows all of this, but still thinks that, for example, Hitler and fascists and and all the nations that went after after Jews and Jewish banksters and their their uh, their helpers. Uh, that, that they still went too far, although he knows all of this uh, subversion Jews did way before before Hitler and Mussolini, for example, uh, came to to govern their I nation. I, I think that the the main problem with talking heads is that they spend all their time talking and they don't do any research. Okay, that's the main problem. Second problem is what what will his mind allow him to know? Okay, he has his mind has been formed by certain categories. Anti-Semitism is one of those categories. Nazism, the Holocaust, these are all categories in his mind that I think would prevent him from understanding the reality of the situation. So he's got to impose these categories. Now, it's easy to do because everybody does it. It's the fundamental narrative of the American empire. And it was created after World War II as a way of deflecting guilt from the war crimes that, that the allies had committed. Okay? And I'm talking about the English, uh, the saturation bombing, the fire bombing of Dresden and Hamburg, uh, the Soviet army, which was engaged in ruthless raping and pillaging uh, uh, and murder uh, the moment it got it started into uh, into Europe. Uh, the, the, the atrocities like the Katyn Forest massacre in Poland, where basically Stalin ordered the execution of 11,000 Polish intellectuals and so on and so forth. That was ascribed to the Germans. An outrage at, at, at Nuremberg, even. So they and and beyond that, the American participation in saturation bombing, but also more immediately for Eisenhower was the whole treatment of German soldiers, captured German soldiers, uh, in the Rheinwiesenlager, in the Rhine Meadows camps, where he basically refused to declare them prisoners of war so that he wouldn't have to follow the Geneva Conventions, left them out standing in the elements, no food, no water, uh, gave orders that anyone that tried to feed those soldiers from the other side of the fence would be shot. And uh, th thousands and thousands of German civilians, uh, I'm sorry, German soldiers died as a result of that. All of this became relevant as soon as, soon as Eisenhower shows up at one of these concentration camps. Okay, the first one he sees is Ordruf. Nobody remembers Ordruf anymore. Uh, uh, the, uh, but he comes, there are dead bodies there. Okay, we've all seen the pictures, these corpses, these emaciated corpses lying on the ground. And immediately it was, it, it was said that they were killed in gas chambers. No evidence in Ordruf that that ever happened. They show you pictures, you can see the pictures. Next camp they go to is, Berg, uh, is uh, Buchenwald. 
And in Bukum, this time, they have the idea in mind. They got the propaganda ministry under General McClure. They sent two guys in ahead of time, two psychological warfare operatives into uh, Buchenwald, and they create a display of what they found there. Two shrunken heads, a lampshade made out of human skin, and an ashtray made out of a human pelvis. This was a big mistake because the United States created a whole propaganda campaign around evidence that they had planted that has no real, no, no connection with anything. The Germans, I, I know this comes as a shock to you, Alish, but Germans were not in the practice of shrinking heads. I know you thought that. But it turns out they got it from a museum. Amazon drives do this, and it was in some museum where they got these shrunken heads. So it was preposterous, and they made a big mistake. But I'm saying this is the matrix out of which the Holocaust narrative grew, out of a propaganda campaign that was created to divert guilt from Allied war crimes. Yeah, <clears throat> and a couple of weeks ago, our prime minister, that's uh, supposedly a nationalist, but he's not, he's obviously a globalist. He, uh, the whole, we went the whole day with all this, they they all had this uh, hands together, like praying, and they, they, they um, uh, published pictures of them praying and looking in, in the sky and with all this, uh, Holocaust remembrance and remember Slovenes are 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 not uh, are not Germans are not Jews are not Americans are not English and we're some sort you're of white. Slavs or... you're white no you're white <laughs> yeah, that's we're... why you're guilty you're white yeah. we're white and we have to remember Holocaust although although it was Slavs that that died in tens of millions not six millions in, in tens of millions. Uh, between all uh, the, the all the world wars, and still well, we don't have a, any remembrance. Do, they do you do you see uh, now the purpose of this of this white black dichotomy? Because now you can yeah. be accused of being guilty because you're white, and if you're white, you're guilty bef uh, uh, until proven innocent. That's precisely the purpose of this racial narrative to indict yeah. everyone, everyone. Now wait a minute, are Jew? Well, no, wait a minute. We got, that's too confusing. But you are white. This is precisely what happened to the European ethnics when they moved to America and were living in ethnic neighborhoods in Chicago. Martin Luther King shows up. These people thought they were Lithuanians. As soon as Martin Luther King shows up, they're white. They become white. And as soon as they become white, they're guilty of racism. You're convicted right there in the, the, uh, 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 the court of public opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what's uh, how does uh, the 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 whole the whole shebang with with Joe Rogan and his his apologizing for for uh, using the word nigger uh, fall into this context? Okay. So so this so it's okay. It's the image is a tree. Okay, so the trunk of the tree is the, is the Holocaust narrative, which is the narrative of the American empire that proves that we were good people because of World War II. So everything grows out of that as various forms of control. So just historically, uh, what happened with the internet in, uh, let's say, 2019, around then, is the, the oligarchs realized they lost control of the narrative because of people like you and me talking like this uh, no one was watching CNN anymore. Now, Joe Rogan was a manifestation of that. And uh, he was very successful at being a good interviewer. And so Spotify uh, basically uh, lured him over to their platform. I think they paid him $100 million to go on that platform. Okay. Uh, and then as soon as uh, there are other people, it's a music platform too. So Neil Young hears about it. And Neil Young now says, take my music off of Spotify. By the way, have you heard, have you seen my music video? Have you seen my song? Uh, your song? No, 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 I haven't seen it's on, song. It's, it's on BitChute, okay? You can find it on BitChute if you, if you type in E. Michael Jones, Joe Rogan, and Neil Young. It's uh, one uh, a song that uh, 
brings me back to my days as a rock star in Germany. When I was listening to Neil Young, and Neil Young hasn't had a, a new idea since 1972 when he brought out that Harvest album, which was really a good album. So anyway, now Neil Young. So what's the problem? Well, Neil Young, who's, I'm sorry, Neil, but you don't have a degree in medicine, I don't think. I think you've been spent yeah you've been spending your time smoking dope and writing dopey songs yeah. for the past 40 years and suddenly he's upset because Joe Rogan is talking to someone who does have some type of medical expertise and Neil says take my take my music off of Spotify. Yeah. And that causes this big. So basically what we're talking about is now the latest form of control was COVID. But that again it's one of those branches on the tree that goes back and back and back to all of the social engineering that got imposed on the world after World War II by the United States of America, especially in Germany. And my point, the point I'm trying to make here is uh, the crucial country in this regard is Germany because that was the most ruthless form of social control. They, because there was no there was no resistance. The Germans were a conquered people, and so they had no resistance. So one of your readers mentioned uh, Das Hungerjahr, 1946-47, when the Jew Morgenthau tried to starve the Germans to death. Uh, that was replaced by uh, the Marshall Plan. The Morgenthau Plan was replaced by the Marshall Plan. But that was still social engineering, and that became uh, uh, pornography. So under the Marshall Plan, Germany is flooded with pornography. Now, it doesn't look like Internet pornography today. We probably wouldn't even think it's pornography, but that's not important. It was transgressive of the sensibilities, the Zittlichkeit of, uh, 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 of the German people at that time, and they perceived it as such. So you have uh, uh, Cardinal Frings, the man who stood up to the Allies when it came to Das Hungerjahr and told the Germans to go take the food out of the warehouse. It's not theft. Take the coal from the train. It's not theft. After that, after he wins that battle, now he's fighting obscenity. He's got the Volkswagen, the German Legion of Decency. He's the great supporter of that. And they are going, uh, there is an allied attempt to basically subvert morality, sexual morality in Germany at this time. First sin, uh, first movie is Die Sünderin. Die uh, Hildegard Kneff marries a Jew, goes to Hollywood, and then they send her back and she does a code breaker for uh, the German cinema. And then the crucial moment comes in 1964. 1964, okay? What happened in 1964? 1959, Cardinal Frings meets a German, a brilliant German theologian by the name of Joseph Ratzinger. He invites Joseph Ratzinger down to Rome as his paritus, as his expert, and they get to Rome and basically Ratz, Frings becomes Ratzinger's mouthpiece. And the first thing they do is throw out the preliminary documents that were written by Cardinal Ottaviani. That those preliminary documents talked about the danger, not talking about the communism, that's a danger, but they also talked about the danger of Hollywood and psychoanalysis. Now, what group has Hollywood and psychoanalysis in common? This is the Jews. We're talking about Jews from America and the threat that they pose to the Catholic Church. Ratzinger throws it out, brings in a whole new idea, a whole new paradigm. We have to be positive now. Not, no, no more negative, no more modernist oath, anti-modernist oath, no more syllabus of errors. We're going to be positive. The church has nothing to fear from the modern world. That's Gaudium et Spes. Now, he says this in 64. This is the very moment that in Germany, the code got broken. 64, Frings is now distracted down in Rome by the Second Vatican Council, and the Jews, uh, actually it's Harry Schein, uh, a Swedish Jew, collaborating with Ingmar Bergman, they release a film called The Silence, uh, which breaks the code. But it's art. That's why they brought Bergman in. He was the, he was the epitome of cinematic art. So the Germans are confused. They are being attacked by the Allies 
who are still in charge, be, and they're saying this is freedom of speech, and they turn to the church, and the church is missing in action. Missing in action because they're down at Rome, not something because they're down at Rome, but because Ratzinger says we don't need, this is an embarrassment to talk about this schmutz und schunt all the time. It's negative. And so as a result, they run up the white flag. The church abandons its own legion of decency, which is exactly what they did in America as well. The, the obscenity is given free reign. And once that happens, the Jews take over your culture. And the, there's a direct line between that, what I just said, and the German Synod, the report from the German Synod, which came out two days ago, in which the Synodal Weg in Deutschland uh, says that the German people want uh, let the divorced and remarried receive communion, and we have to change the church's teaching on homosexuality. That is all a function of the destruction of sexual morality that took place beginning in 1964. <clears throat> this is a little excourse, but I still uh, want to ask you this question. I don't know if it's a global thing or it's only a Slovene thing, but here, the students of theology, for example, um, and yes, I know that theology has been corrupted and, and subversed, and it's basically ancilia from, from philosophy, not the other way around as it was supposed to be, but um, what's your opinion on Catholic church uh, getting involved into some sort of psychotherapy? Uh, 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 offering offering people um, its own view of psychoanalysis, which is basically just another 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 version of of, of Freud's or Lacan's um, uh, psychoanalysis. Do you, do you have any uh, opinion on, on yes, this? Yes, yes, I do. We we at Fidelity Magazine in the 1980s broke the story of the psychological subversion of the Catholic Church, okay? And we're ta I'm talking about the, the Immaculate Heart Nuns in Los Angeles after the Second Vatican Council. This is exactly the year, 1965. They passed Nostra Aetate. Jews are our friends. The Jews break the code in 1965 with the pawnbroker. And in 1965, Carl Rogers, the psychologist, shows up at the convent of the Immaculate Heart Nuns in Los Angeles and introduces sensitivity training. Do you know what sensitivity training is? <laughs> Not quite, but... Uh... These, these are, it's kind of group therapy. Uh, it's also called T-groups, where basically what you do is you get the group together and you want to break down their inhibitions. Certain exercises, blind milling, stuff like this, where you, you know, you walk around. So I, I was I was I was in one of these sessions, and one of the things we were supposed to do, you pick out some random person. Uh, so I'm standing there, and uh, so this woman comes up to me, and now I, I have to put my elbow up. I put my elbow on her nose, and she puts her elbow on my nose, and we look each other in the eye, and now we're supposed to tell this person a secret. <laughs> it's a, it's a, this is a deliberate attempt to break down any type of the normal separation you have uh, uh, reserved with strangers. You know, you're now in physical contact with a complete stranger and you're supposed to tell them the secret. This is break down, breaking down your sense of yourself. This is what the nuns were subjected to. It was psychological warfare. And the story we broke was told by Carl Rogers' assistant who didn't understand it. He didn't see it as psychological warfare, and he was involved in it. So that's the type of thing. It's only gotten worse. The only, the only, it's only, it's only gotten worse uh, because it's been institutionalized in various groups. Uh, it's become part of seminary training. It's a disaster for the Catholic Church. And as usual, the Catholic Church can't understand, doesn't understand psychological warfare, and doesn't understand the way it's being destroyed. Yeah, I read a couple of articles um, in these days from Slovene Catholic uh, portals or, or platforms, and I, I I was shocked about the. I mean, they they promote uh, they promote female narcissism basically. The 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 um, uh, I I read today that they 
they said they they're saying to girls as in it's not important what other people think about you the most important thing is what you think about yourself uh, and this is uh, this is uh, this is coming from the from the Catholic Catholic sides who are supposed to right. uh, s- s- give so- some sort of psychotherapeutic advice to, to young women. Uh, are you I, I, all... I, are you under the thumb of the Catholic Church in Germany? Are you in that orbit? Uh, no, no, I I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, you don't, don't have to think... be. Because where where did this show up? Where did this type of thing show up? Showed up in Medjugorje. <laughs> now, were the Bosnians involved in this? No, it was the Franciscans who studied in Germany. They studied in Germany. People like Tomislav Vlasic went to Germany, studied there in the 70s, and they picked up charismatic prayer and psycho psychotechniques at the same time. And they mixed them together, and that was part of the 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 uh, what was going on in Medjugorje. So it's part of the uh, intellectual lingua franca, especially in church circles. This is a fun fact. Serbia refuses to return the, uh, the Second World War, and they arrived to Croatia, but recently gave a copy to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things, when I was in uh, Mostar, one of the things that uh, Cardinal uh, Bishop Perich told me was right after the war, the trucks pulled up and they emptied their archives. The archives of the Diocese of of, uh, of uh, Mostar. And no one knows where they are now. Disappeared. Yeah, and the, the, the myth about... Uh, uh, are you aware of the fact uh, um, that that this um, Ustasha movement, the Andeha uh, um, that Croats have had and uh, later on um, uh, as a, as an ally uh, of national socialists that they that the Ustasha movement the Pravashi were basically founded by a, a Croatian Jew in Osijek and they uh, the, the whole movement of Ustasha uh, was uh, was basically um, had many many Jew, jews as as a as a uh, as a part of the of the movement are, are you aware of the of this no, uh, no. fact i i had heard it was basically it, uh, the italians were more uh, responsible but that doesn't mean anything it could be that you know could be that's where they got the idea from i don't know but no i wasn't aware of that no. yeah <clears throat> mm. And the Nazis collaborated with the Zionists. Is this is this hypothesis true? Yes, it is. It is because it's obvious because they both had the same goal in mind. The Zionists wanted to get the Jews out of Europe to send them to Israel. The Nazis wanted to get them out too, so they did collaborate. They did collaborate. They couldn't figure out where to send them, and so it didn't. You know, the war took over, and nothing much came of it. But they did collaborate because they have the same. They shared the same racist ideology. It's just the only difference was who's the master race? Is it the Jews or is it the Germans? There are people who say Hitler got the idea of uh, racial superiority from the Jews. There is evidence that he got it from the Americans, uh, uh, that it was the black-white type of racial thing because he he sent Madison Grant, the racial theorist in America, he sent him a a letter uh, thanking him for his ideas. I, I, uh, I, uh, when I studied philosophy, I had this professor who was also professor in Budapest, Budapest on Soros' uh, university that got canceled by, by, by Orban. Uh, and this information was probably partly subversive because he's a, he's a, he's a, a globalist thinking lefty, uh, lefty who supposedly had to run away from Croatia because uh, Franjo Tudjman supposedly went after him because he was half Serb or something like that. But he always seemed so subversive uh, to me. So this information is probably also partly subversive. But he told us uh, um, that that in the 19th century uh, there were two parties in 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 Germany. 
in, in the sense that they debated about whether whether Germany should go after its own colonies because uh, uh, Germany didn't have any colonies uh, um, in, uh, as opposed to, to, to other great European uh, nations. Uh, and the party that, that was for Germany going into war for colonies and so forth was, was full or, or was, uh, was totally um, uh, from uh, uh, the, the members of this party were, were mostly Jews. And what he said to us later on is that, yeah, this uh, this um, this was something that that um, that uh, got against them later on in in the twentieth century. Do you think there is anything uh, true about about this? Yes, yes, I think it was. I think it was true. Uh, for, first of all, there was there was division when it came to the unification of uh, Germany that culminated in 1971. Uh, this was um, the uh, who was the famous guy, the railroads guy, the guy who was the uh, for in tariffs, the guy who supported tariffs. His name uh, escapes me at this moment. Uh, he came to America, lived in uh, outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, the man who was in charge of tariffs. Uh, anyway, uh, he was trying to unite Germany by uh, ab abolishing internal tariffs and creating external tariffs. The main opposition to that in Germany were cities like Hamburg and all the cities on the north because Hamburg was basically a British colony. Hamburg was also the place where you had uh, the first Masonic Lodge in the 18th century. And... Uh, as a result, uh, and the big conflict that came between the first German Masonic Lodge and the British Masonic Lodge was whether they should admit Jews or not. The Germans were dead set against admitting Jews into it, and the English said, if you don't admit Jews, we'll revoke your license as a Masonic Lodge. Because the, the, the English were working closely with Jews all around the world as a kind of mercantile power, as a way of uh, subverting uh, uh, countries that were uh, Christian, uh, like like Germany. So I, I think it's perfectly plausible that that was the case. Yeah, um, I mean, do do we have any any uh, any other thoughts? Or do we have to go through anything else, or did we, uh, or were we uh, quite um, quite? Um, do we have any do we have any questions about the race issue in America? Anybody still not understand what's going on with Whoopi Goldberg and Ben Shapiro? No. The whole manipulation I, of race, Jewish manipulation of race. I, I have to admit that, that that it wasn't until I looked at the the topic, uh, the problem from the perspective of the of the Slavic people, um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't quite understand your position, but but now when uh, when uh, when I think about it, when I think about um, Anglosphere and Anglosphere working with Jews all the time, and and when I look at the German interest and so forth and so forth, and when I look at the numbers of the Slavs that died between uh, two world wars. Uh, compared to other nations, it seems quite plausible that, that it makes no sense from the point of view of of Slavic people to 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 compare themselves with some some sort of some sort of whiteness. Although it it probably makes more sense in the states when people with no or or less melanin are being attacked by by the Jews and the, the the, their 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 Afro American helpers uh, right. it probably makes more sense in America. Yeah, the blacks were the proxy warriors of the Jews in the battle that was called the Civil Rights Movement. There is no question about that. And anyone who uh, disagreed with them became white, and as soon as you became white, you lost the battle. Uh, that was the greatest uh, act of identity theft 
in the history of the United States of America, what happened during that period of time to those Catholic ethnics, who all were ethnically cleansed from their neighborhoods, driven into the suburbs, because in the suburbs, you become white. You're not Polish anymore, you become white. Someone's asking about Father Flager. Father Flager is a white Negro, what Norman Merrill would call a white Negro. He's obviously, it's a German name. He looks German. Uh, he's the pastor of St. Sabina's Parish in Chicago. But as soon as he opens his mouth, he talks like he talks like a black guy. This is clear. <laughs> this is proof, proof that race is a category of the mind. You can be black no matter what, how much melanin you have in your skin, as long as you talk that way. I used to say this to my Nigerian friend, Nigerian friend. I said, you're not black. And he got upset. I said, as soon as you open your mouth, you're not black. You don't talk like the black people over here. You got a different, you're coming from a different world. You know, it's all categories of the mind, which get imposed for political purposes. God, this is incredible. On a side note, did Dr. John C. Comedian Hatter McDonald collapsing on stage after blaspheming and bragging about yes. getting money? Was it defined? Yes. yes, it was divine intervention. God will not be mocked. So take that. Uh, I want all those comedians out there who think it's funny to ridicule God. Watch that video. Yeah, uh, I I saw that video. It, it was, but was it uh, was it uh, explained or was it was it proved that uh, that it was uh, because of the jabs or or who's going to prove uh, are we, it? Who's are going we, to prove it? We, yeah, no, are you going to no, say it's, it's pure coincidence? She stands up there and brags about how many how many shots she's got, and then she passes out. How many times? How many times do we have to see that happen before suddenly it's not coincidence anymore? I guess somebody saying. I guess that explains the Bob Saget hat. He did the same thing. He 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 was uh, 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 bragging about how many times he had been vaxxed. and then he falls, and then. <laughs> 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 uh-huh it, it it has an addendum and <laughs> seth rogan <clears throat> i i have to admit i i'm not such a i cannot wish bad stuff to happen to even to bad people this this is what i also wanted to ask you do you think that there's any possibility in the future That that this talking hats uh, like Charlie Kirk, uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, even Steven Crowder, and so forth would would talk to to guys like uh, like you or, or 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 for example Nick Fuentes. I, I remember what uh, what Shapiro did to Nick Fuentes. He he went on a diet drive for. 45 minutes uh, he uh, uh, on some university or something because because of his joke about cookies and whatever and and he's he's making all this uh, this um, arguments about why he wouldn't talk about such people although he would talk to all the communists he supposedly hate uh, and are supposedly the biggest threat to 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 America but uh, I'm I'm quite sure that he would immediately talk to, to for example, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, but he wouldn't talk to you or, or to Fuentes. Well, I think nothing stays the same. Everything changes in this world. And the fact that I'm still alive after all these years, after writing The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, in spite of all of their attempts to uh, ban me, it's, it's, I think it's proof that the truth is going to prevail. That this is, I'm working on this now. In the by the 1970s in the publishing industry, truth became the opinion of the powerful. That is the operative effect, uh, and that's what they believe because they they're all powerful, and of course, powerful believe that. But it's not working. It's got to be true, and we know whether it's true or not, no matter how powerful you are. So look at just with the demise of mainstream media over this period of time and the rise of someone like Joe Rogan. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, what is Louis Farrakhan role in Black Jewish relation? The Nation of Islam arose in reaction to the uh, Jewish domination of the civil rights movement, uh, epitomized by Martin Luther King. So Louis um, Farrakhan is the man who talks about uh, the Jewish, the Jews, and their relationship with the blacks. He's done books on slavery and stuff like that. That was uh, Mar uh, Malcolm X was talking that way. I, I, I said before, around 1967, the whole thing just fell apart. The whole idea of a unified civil rights movement fell apart. Did you hear? Did you hear Ben in that uh, Ben Shapiro in that stream? I think I heard him for the first time criticizing the ADL. He said that they were supposed to be uh, this uh, anti uh, anti anti Semitic movement, but they they are basically. He said it for the first time out loud that they are basically a uh, woke left wing uh, movement or or institution or or whatever. At least he he is uh, he he criticized them for the first time. Now, did you or did you hear him criticize yeah, ADL that, before? That's because of Jonathan Greenblatt. Jonathan Greenblatt is a Democrat, and and uh, Shapiro is a neoconservative, and they don't like each other. And the commentary crowd does not like Jonathan Greenblatt at all. And uh, I think a lot of them feel he's simply overplaying his hand. And basically, I think what is happening on Jonathan Greenblatt's watch is. He called, as I said before, he called Wolfowitz one too many times. Uh, he's overused the anti-Semitic guard. He called Donald Trump an anti-Semite. He's calling everybody an anti-Semite, and he's he's wearing the term is wearing out. Term is wearing out. And and they supposedly changed their definition of racism. This is what this is what uh, Shapiro said, and this is uh, the basis on, uh, on which he he says they are woke woke institution because they they changed it into something like uh, you, <clears throat> uh, racism uh, that for the racism you need um, you need power or whatever. So uh, implication of this is that that the that the the blacks cannot be cannot be racist and so forth. Do you think that this was a subversive act or or are these people who are... Well, for, for this, this is what happened uh, when the Black Lives Matter uprising took place. They, they stole a march on the Jews. So the Jews were upset. Uh, they didn't want to offend uh, the, the black people because they, their illusion is that they're in this together. There's some type of black Jewish line. That doesn't exist anymore. But they try to pretend that. And so as a result, they don't want to uh, uh, offend their allies. So that's why, he's, and that's why he's accepting basically this nonsensical understanding of racism as if black people can't be racist. Of course they can be racist. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, nothing. Any que any questions left? Uh -huh. Okay, there's another question. This it will make it the last one. Is Dr. Jones anti-civil rights slash pro-segregation? This is like asking me if I'm uh, for Anabaptism or against it. This is an obsolete revolutionary movement. There's no, we can't go back. I think if you want my honest opinion, I think if you would left these people alone if there hadn't been this great uh, push the black and the white people would have learned how to live together with each other because that's pr pretty much the way the south was i think that nobody had to discredit segregation uh because uh people didn't believe in it anymore it was obsolete think of the difference though between let's say brown versus school board which is the school decision endorsing integration condemning segregation and roe versus wade which is the abortion decision the Supreme Court is going to have to rescind Roe versus Wade because everybody knows that abortion is wrong, especially the women who have had abortions who are trying to deflect their guilt into some other type of activity. Everybody feels that segregation was wrong, so there's no real reason to, to revisit it. That's the difference. Okay. One last question. Are you an optimist about... Uh uh war in suppose the war in, in in ukraine i i know the words i the news today is that the russians are getting ready to attack i have no idea other than what i'm seeing in the news 
I don't know whether it's going to be used to distract everyone from something bigger. I don't know. I don't know. It's hanging in the balance right now. I don't. I think that if if the Americans do uh, precipitate a war, they're going to be in for uh, uh, unpleasant surprises. Uh, I I just think that's what's going to happen. I think that Biden has basically accepted it as an in- inevitability too. I think he's he probably has accepted it as an inevitability. And so, but anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, Doctor Jones. Thank you for for stopping by. Thanks for your always intellectual uh, <clears throat> um, superiority you bring to to my to my streams. Uh, thanks to all the viewers. Thanks to all the the, the commentators. And uh, have a good and pleasant day. And good evening and good night to to all the Slovenes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye.